Support for KQED Podcasts comes from SFMOMA. Calling all music lovers, don't miss Art of Noise, the must-see exhibition of the summer. Pour over 800 works, including 1960s and 70s concert posters, hi-fi listening experiences, and more. On view now. Get tickets at sfmoma.org. Take your Wi-Fi further with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. With fast speeds and reliable coverage, home just got even sweeter with the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. From KQED. Good morning. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. This week, L.A. marks the 30th anniversary of one of the most painful and bloodiest chapters in the city's history, the civil unrest of 1992, which some called the L.A. riots and others the L.A. rebellion. In response to the acquittal of four white LAPD officers for the beating of black motorist Rodney King, angry people took to the streets for nearly a week. By the time it was over, dozens had been killed and hundreds of millions of dollars worth of damage done. If you want a superb audio account of the forces that led up to those days of fire and fury in L.A., I'd suggest the podcast series Slow Burn, the Los Angeles Riots. I talked to its host, Joel Anderson, about the legacy of 1992, starting with the biggest lesson he learned while working on the series. Well, that many of the problems that we have today are not new. Um, They're very familiar to us, that A lot of the things that led up to April 29th, 1992, are a lot of the same things that led up to, you know, the so-called racial awakening that America had in the wake of George Floyd's death. The poverty, the the complaints about police abuse, all the sort of like cultural issues that created the tensions that sort of exploded in that one moment in L.A. That stuff was going on in 1965 when the Watts riots happened and they were present in America in 2020 during that summer. So I think that was the one thing that just you see so many parallels like, huh, that sounds familiar. So that that's kind of, I think, the, my big takeaway after I looked at all of that. I was like, oh, wow, nothing is new in America, basically. You know, essentially, if you were able to take people who experienced 1992 in L.A. and time travel them to L.A. of 2022 or America of 2022, a lot would be familiar. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I just think about, like, you know, a lot of the reporting around the L.A. Sheriff's Department right now. Right. And a lot of the complaints people have, you talk about you know police abuse. I, I think that if you look at some of the reporting that's done around that and the, the concerns that people have about the way that department is run, uh, the way that they interact with the public, the sort of the lack of accountability, that sounds very familiar to people. And that's the same sort of stuff that was going on in the buildup around Daryl Gates's LAPD throughout the 80s leading into 1992. I mean, this sounds exactly like the same sort of thing. And it's sort of a tinderbox. You know, you wonder like, oh, when are people finally going to have enough? Yeah. And you referenced uh, Chief Gates, who was a chief of police at the time, very controversial, a polarizing figure. Can I talk to you about l- language and what happened in Los Angeles in 1992? To some people, it's the riots, and you use that word in your series. To other people, it's the rebellion. To others, it's civil unrest or civil disturbance. What do you think it was? I think it was all of those things, but it was a riot. I mean, there were people in the streets that were not out there necessarily to correct the misjustice and the Rodney King trial, right? There are people that saw an opportunity and took stuff and hurt people when they shouldn't have been. But there were people that were also legitimately in the streets who were very upset about how they'd been treated by the LAPD or local law enforcement, you know, social conditions that had not been addressed politically for years, if not decades. 
and yeah, in rebellion. I mean, there were people, you know, people from all sorts of communities throughout Southern California that were upset about not only Rodney King, but just the way that their communities have been treated. Um, you know, if you could talk to people that were in the Korean community and the Latino communities throughout LA, they had their own issues that weren't even necessarily related to Rodney King, but they were no less important than what, you know, a lot of the Black people in South, South Central were concerned about during that time. If you say riots to me, I know what you're talking about, but I think it was more than a riot. But if you just called it a riot, I think that's a fair catch all term for what happened over those few days in April and uh, May of 1992. Yeah. You know, just on a personal note, I I was a young man then. I remember it very clearly. And I remember like just very clear moments, uh, a, a palm tree on fire in South LA or the smell of a looted Korean liquor store and what it was like to smell just all that smashed alcohol on the ground or people standing on rooftops uh, uh, with rifles and protesters in front of the old LAPD headquarters, Parker Center. And I'm wondering if you think that when we talk about that period in LA, those few days, that we concentrate too much on just what happened during the, the riots or unrest itself and not about what preceded it and the the freight train of things that led up to it from Rodney King to other racially charged incidents in in the city like Latasha Harlan's and so on. No, I mean I absolutely I do think that a lot more attention is paid to what happened in the chaos of those few days in LA, but I understand why it happens because it was the largest civil disturbance in American history, right? A lot of people died. They did not have to die. A lot of buildings were burned. They did not have to burn down. And those images were shocking. I mean, you talked about your personal experience. I remember watching it on television, you know, thousands of miles away in Texas as a teenager. And that stuff was shocking. Like, I mean, I can vividly remember seeing what happened to Reginald Denny, um, a white truck driver who was driving through South Central LA, was pulled out of his truck and beaten nearly to death. That played on TV over and over again, almost as much as the Rodney King beating. So I can understand why that time uh, brings back very vivid memories in a way that the buildup to that did not. Um, You kind of got to go dig to see what the causes were, what the roots of the unrest were. What you identified there is a problem that dogs media today, that we don't notice things until we see the explosion, until we see the blood, until we see the conflict. And that's what we commit to videotape and audio tape, right? And that becomes kind of the collective memory. And But we forget kind of the smaller things or the things under the surface that led up to it and may go unaddressed to this day. Absolutely. I mean, you, it's interesting. You brought up the name Latasha Harlins. Um, Latasha Harlins was in a lot of ways the inspiration for this season of Slow Burn. And because and I re- Latasha Harlins, I should say, for people who don't know, was a young African-American woman who was shot by a, a, a Korean grocer. Right, right, right. There's a great documentary about Latasha Harlins called A Love Song for Latasha. It was nominated for an Oscar a couple of years ago. And I saw a screening of it, you know, a couple of years before it was actually released. And I just... I set up in my chair in the theater as I was watching. I was like, oh, my God, I forgot all about this. You know, I'm somebody that, you know, paid attention to all that stuff. I was a huge L.A. hip hop fan at the time. And her name was in music during that time. And it just her name just sort of faded from view, particularly if you weren't related to her, wasn't from that part of South Central. And so, yeah, I mean, it's just that sort of memory can easily be lost. And people don't even really understand that. Her death, in a lot of ways, was some of the fuel behind, you know, that anger that, that that sent people out to the streets in those days. So 
Yeah, man, it's just really hard to get your arms around everything. Even if you care about those issues, it's hard to get your arms around all that stuff uh, because what happened in the streets in LA over those days was just so vivid and so so shocking. And just personally, as a journalist who who worked on this project, uh, an exhaustive project, as a Black American, what do you want people to absolutely remember about what happened in Los Angeles at that time? I think one thing is that none of this had to happen. At any point along the way, if things had worked the way they were supposed to systemically, there could have been a lot of lives saved. There could have been a lot of property that wasn't damaged. You just think about in the Latasha Harlan's case, if the woman, Soon Jadu, the Korean store owner that shot her, had received an appropriate punishment, that maybe some of the anger wouldn't have been there. That if LAPD had handled the officers that were accused of beating Rodney King in a way that people thought was equitable and fair, that maybe it wouldn't have happened. And if, you know, the jury trial, like if that had gone differently, even in the proceedings that led up to the verdict, maybe if that had gone differently, it, you know, maybe we, we don't end up here. Maybe this doesn't become, it doesn't spin out of control. So I think that when you're in this country, you know, you think that bad outcomes are sort of inevitable. The problems we have are so intractable that they can't be figured out. But actually, there are steps along the way at which we can address them. And maybe it doesn't have to become just a huge explosion of anger and fury and blood. And so that's what I kind of hope that people take from this, that if Rodney King had received justice, if Latasha Harlins had received justice, if the people in the courtroom on April 29th had returned a different verdict, one that, you know, would have been a little bit more appropriate than the one that they returned, that maybe this stuff doesn't have to happen. There are off ramps before you reach a crisis point, right? And before a city burns. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, everybody knew what Daryl Gates and the LAPD was. Like, it wasn't a surprise to anybody from the mayor to city council members, to people that were in the streets. Everybody knew that that was a police department that was unaccountable to the people that it was allegedly served. And there were all sorts of ways that they could have addressed those problems and they just sort of let them linger. And, and so, yeah, I mean, that's just another way that, you know, if, if, if somebody had stepped in, if there had been some sort of mechanism for dispensing justice, that maybe we don't have to have, you know, that tremendous loss of life and property that ended up happening. All right, that is Joel Anderson, host of the excellent podcast series Slow Burn, the L.A. riots about what happened in Los Angeles in 1992. Joel, thank you so much for joining us on The California Report. Oh, Saul, thanks so much for having me on. It was my pleasure. Support for The California Report comes from Hint, fruit-infused water in over 25 flavors like watermelon, pineapple, and blackberry. No sweeteners, no calories, in stores or delivered from drinkhint.com. The James Irvine Foundation, accepting nominations now for the 2023 James Irvine Foundation Leadership Awards at irvineawards.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy harnesses the power of people and science to create innovative solutions for a healthy environment, just societies, and opportunities for human achievement. And now host Sasha Coca brings us a preview of our sister show, The California Report's Weekly Magazine. The concoction. How did he build that concoction? This week, KQED's Silicon Valley reporter Aditi Bandlamudi traces the origins of a dish that combines ingredients like pasta, samosas, and coleslaw, topped with vodka sauce and shredded cheese, all on a sizzling platter. It felt like a fever dream. How did this dish come to be? And why? 
And again, how? You can hear more of Oddity's food journey that takes us from India, the Middle East, England, and back to the Golden State on this week's California Report magazine. Find it on some public radio stations or download the podcast. And that's the California Report for Friday, April 29th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers this week are Katie McMurrin, Chris Hoff, Brendan Willard, and Jim Bennett, with assistance from Seal Muller. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin and Keith Mizuguchi. Our senior editor is Angela Corral. Our director of news is Vinnie Tong. Our executive editor is Ethan Tovid Lindsay. And our chief content officer is Holly Kernan. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening, and have a great weekend. Take your Wi-Fi further with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity. With fast speeds and reliable coverage, home just got even sweeter with the Xfinity 10G network. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. Hey, KQED listeners. I'm right now as podcast host, Pendarvis Harshaw, dropping a line to invite you to a summer evening of live contemporary jazz at the KQED headquarters in San Francisco, Thursday, June 20th at 7 p.m. We've got a stacked lineup of dope musicians, including vocalist Jamie Z, saxophonist Lydia Rodriguez, and harpist Destiny Muhammad. And Newsflash is the closing event for our podcast. We've had a great run, so help us celebrate the end of this chapter. Get tickets to Liner Notes Live at kqed.org events. Did you ever wonder what it's like to live alone, hidden in the woods, not speaking to a single soul for 30 years. Or wander the desert, uncover a hidden well, and dive to the bottom of the deepest water hole for 2,000 miles. The Snapchat Podcast takes you there with amazing stories told by the people who live them, with an original soundscape that drops you directly into their shoes. Snap Judgment. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcast.